portion of God's word that we'll focus on for our Epiphany celebration this evening comes from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, the rock of our salvation. Amen. There's a lot of details in that text from Matthew chapter 2. All sorts of things that leave us asking questions about different people and and different places. And and these questions have resulted in a lot of misconceptions regarding uh, those three guys on the banner there. Or were there three? Your nativity, if you have one at home, it probably has those three magi with their gifts, right? And maybe some camels. You may have noticed the text said nothing about there being three. There were three gifts, of course. And so the assumption is, well, there must have been three of these magi then. Well, we're not told how many there were. There could have been three, there could have been 12. It's safe to say that maybe they had some camels along for their long journey in to Jerusalem. But whether or not they rode camels, we just don't know. We're, we're not told. And who were these magi? If you grew up reading the King James Version of the Bible, you'll remember the word magi was not in there. They were called wise men. The Greek word is magoi. And the translators for the King James Version decided, let's let's try to come up with a, a way to describe who we think these guys were. They were wise men. Well, maybe. Maybe not. This word is used once in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament book of Daniel, 
the word magoi was used to describe the people who served the kings. So they weren't kings. We three kings of Orient are. They weren't kings. They were probably servants of the king. Maybe they worked in the king's court. But were they like a circus? Like magicians? Were they entertainers? Were they wise scholars? Were they teachers? We don't really know. We're just not told. Where's the East? Some scholars think maybe modern-day Iran, Iraq, maybe further. Maybe modern-day India. Some even think maybe from China. Where were these Magoi from? We don't know. We're not told. And then there's this star. It's kind of a head-scratcher. What was this thing? The detail that gets us every time if we look at the text is the fact that when they leave Herod's presence and go to search for the child, the star reappears. They joy a great joy is what we're told. When it says they're overjoyed, they, they joyed a, a, a joy great, very. They're really excited to see this star. And it doesn't seem to be a normal star because it leads them directly to the place where the child is. How could a star in the sky lead them to the house where the child and, the, and, and Mary are? We don't know. We're not told. What made them see the star when they were still in their homeland and decide, That's the sign that the Jewish Messiah has been born. We should go a long way from home and bring our very expensive treasures and we should go worship him. We don't know. We're not told. There's a lot of things we don't know. A lot of things we're not told. And not just in this text. We don't know what tomorrow morning is going to be like. We're not told. We don't know what next month is going to be like. We're, we're not told. And we don't know what next year is going to be like. We're, we're not told. What's it going to be like here at Mount Olive in a year? Are you going to be alive in a year? Am I going to be alive in a year? Don't know. Are you going to be working for the same company? Are you going to be living in the same house? What are things going to be like in the future? There's a lot, of, a lot of things we don't know. So what do we know? Well, when we look at this text, one of the first things we know is that there's only one group of people in this text who are actually interested in going to worship this promised Messiah, this promised Christ. And it's not the people you might expect. It's certainly not King Herod. And it's not even these chief priests, these teachers of the law, the people who were supposedly the experts in God's Old Testament. No, it's these foreigners. They're the only ones who actually want to go and worship the Christ. And not only do they want to go worship him, fall flat on their face, they've traveled a long way to do it and they've brought some very, very nice gifts with them. So what could cause this kind of behavior in these unexpected guests, these foreigners who've come to worship the Christ? Only one thing. 
only one thing. The Word of God. How? When? What portions? We don't know. But somehow, by God's grace, these men had come to know enough from God's Old Testament. They had come to know that they're sinners, just like everyone else, who deserved the wrath of the Creator God, just like everyone else, but that God had promised a descendant of Eve, a descendant of Abraham, a descendant of David, who would be a king, yes, for Israel, but for all nations too. Their king, their savior. He was not an adversary to them like he was to Herod. And he was not a novelty to them. A piece of trivia like he was to these chief priests and teachers of the law. He was their savior. He was their king. He was worthy of this, can we just say, mind-boggling journey you, you take away planes, trains, and automobiles for you and for me, we can't imagine this kind of journey. It doesn't take much for us to travel a thousand miles or more, but for them, to travel across deserts, to, to travel thousands of miles, to what? Give expensive gifts to a baby. The text literally says they fell down on their faces to worship this child. There's only one thing, only one thing that can create this kind of response, and it's the Word of God. I I humbly ask you tonight, have you been pursuing the Christ like this in 21? Have you been eager to to find him in the scriptures? Have you been bringing him these expensive gifts? Have you been falling down flat on your face, worshiping him as Lord and King and Savior? I think a lot of times our pursuit of Christ might sadly look more like the chief priests and the teachers of the law than we'd like to admit. Last week we talked about how we often are like Herod. We have a little Herod in us. How we don't like the idea of authority and the concept of a Christ is an authority, a judge, and our sinful nature hates that. That's true. And maybe that's something that you struggle with from time to time. But I look around this room tonight, I see a lot of people who are fairly regular churchgoers, many people who have been Christians for a, a long, long time. Has scripture become trivia for you? Things that you know. I know what I need to know. I believe what I need to believe. I I know the facts. I I know the things I need to know about who Jesus is and, and what he came to do, but there's really no noticeable impact on your life. That happens easier than we'd like to admit. We come to church, we meditate on the words of God, and then you go home and doesn't really seem to have much impact on your day-to-day life. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you are like the, the Magi. Maybe you are the ones who are pursuing the truth of God's word each and every day. You're the ones who are bringing your biggest and best gifts and you're falling flat on your face, worshiping him as Lord and Savior day after day and realize that's only for one reason. It's because God has already shown you your sin. 
He's shown you your great need for forgiveness, the same need that I have, and he's pointed you to the one that he guided the Magi to with this miraculous star. If you are like the Magi, pursuing Jesus all the time and bringing him great gifts and worshiping him day after day, that's because God has guided you to the light of the world through his word, just like he guided these magi with this star. All praise and all glory for that goes to him too. There's a lot of things we don't know in this world and there's a lot of things we don't know in this text. But there's one thing we do know. This child, lying in the midst of all these details, all these things we don't know, he is the Christ. He is the promised Savior the light that nations would be drawn to, the one to whom kings would come and bring their gifts from nations all around. This Jesus is the Son of God who was born to die, to die for the sins of these magi, whoever they were, to die for the sins of every single man, woman, and child from every nation under heaven, regardless of their skin color or their language or their nation of origin. Jesus, this little boy that the Magi were drawn to, is the King of kings and the Savior of the whole world. That much is certain. And and I wonder if maybe that's one of the reasons that God doesn't give us some of the details that maybe we would be interested to know. It doesn't matter how many Magi there were. And it doesn't matter if they rode camels or not. It doesn't matter what country they came from. It doesn't matter how far they traveled. It doesn't matter what the star was and exactly how God guided them to the place he guided them to. What matters is what they found in that house. The Son of God. Come to save them from their sins. Come to save you from yours. He's the reason they traveled so far. And he's the reason he, that they brought such expensive gifts. And he's the reason they fell down on their faces, foreheads to the ground, and worshipped him as their savior and king. Epiphany is an opportunity for us to focus on what the scriptures say about Jesus. Jesus. To become absolutely sure because of the words of God that Jesus is the promised Christ for every single nation on earth. And that is so comforting because it means the Son of God who lived and died and rose for all is definitely for you. And he's definitely for me. That was the confidence of the Magi. And you get to go home with the same confidence that Jesus is yours. Amen.